Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, October 13th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our Sunday morning podcast during the football season. Yes, there was no game yesterday for the Buckeyes, but we still got plenty to talk about. A little bit of a different show today. We're going to be joined by Matt Baxendale and Bill Curlick. Take a look back at what went on yesterday and how it pertains to the Buckeyes. Also get an update on recruiting. We are going to start with the national look, and who better to do that than Matt Baxendale back? Hey, happy to be on, Dan. It was a big day yesterday, even though the Buckeyes didn't play. Let's break it down as it pertains to our Ohio State Buckeyes. What did you think of the Big Ten yesterday? Let's start, I guess you'd say at the top, Wisconsin just hammered Michigan State. Final score, 38 to nothing. What does this mean to you about Wisconsin in light of the fact that Ohio State played the same opponent last weekend? Well, I think that is a big factor. Look, Michigan State dragged their carcass into Madison this week, and essentially Wisconsin fed on the remainder. Uh, that game was 17 nothing midway through the third quarter. Michigan State was trying to hang in there, and then they just collapsed, and the doors got blown off of them down the stretch. Uh, the truth is, look, Wisconsin is loaded for bear, especially on defense. They're a good football team. Uh, but Michigan State was just done after the OSU game. You could see they just didn't have it emotionally in the second half at that point in time. Uh, I, I think it's important to point out, though, this is Wisconsin's fourth shutout of the season. And that's incredibly impressive to have four shutouts, and you're only, what, seven games into the year for them, six games into the year? Like, that's that's unheard of. And it tells you that they have an exceptionally good defense. But I think it's also pertinent to point out here, look at who they've played. They played Northwestern, who may have the worst offense in the Big Ten. They played Michigan State, who may have the worst offense in the Big Ten. And then they played Michigan, who, again, has not done a lot on offense throughout the course of the season. So, you know, let, let's not start panicking that OSU is suddenly going to not be able to score the ball against Wisconsin because Wisconsin's defense is so good. Wisconsin's defense hasn't played an offense anywhere near as good as OSU's. But I think it's also pretty clear Wisconsin's as legit of a top-10 team as we've seen this year. Uh, based on the eyeball test thus far, they certainly look like a top five or six team in America. I don't know why, but I'm just not totally sold yet. That might just be me and not Wisconsin. No, I'm, but... I agree with you, Dan. Here's the thing, though. The eyeball test on their quarterback is very different than the eyeball test on the rest of their team. I don't yeah. trust their quarterback, but I trust the rest of that team pretty well. Yeah, I just haven't seen him put in any position to struggle yet. Let's see that first. Maybe he comes through with flying colors, but I have not seen Jack Cohn be forced to make plays, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I do think when you play a good team that your quarterback has to make a few plays. Penn State outlasted Iowa 17-12 on the road. Your thoughts? Penn State is continuing to show me that they are exactly the team that I thought they were. Going back to the summer, 
I think I made this comparison with you on, on one of the Bucknuts Morning 5 shows. Penn State is your classic LSU team. And by that, I mean they have an exceptional defense. They are talented as all get out. But you don't really trust their coach in any high-pressure situation. And their quarterback is subpar compared to the rest of the talent on the team. Watching that Iowa game, Sean Clifford could not do much except run the ball. Uh, their only long touchdown was a pass to K.J. Hamler, who is utterly terrifying with the football in his hands. But even that fits perfectly into the LSU comparison, because LSU always had a wide receiver, the o, the the OBJ kind of guy, who was massively underutilized because the quarterback sucked at getting him the football. I think Penn State's going to murder Michigan next week, personally. I think it's just on sheer talent alone they're going to do it. But that's a football team that may well be undefeated when they come to Ohio State. Uh, if they can get, of course, get past the rising Minnesota Gophers, who we'll get to in a minute, too. But the, the truth is, Penn State's quarterback is going to hold them back against truly elite teams. They're going to talent their way to 10 or 11 wins this regular season. They may well be undefeated in the horseshoe back in November, or upcoming in November. But they have a ceiling, and that ceiling was shown because their offense was not able to do much against Iowa and I know it's at Iowa, and they won, and the last time Ohio State went to Iowa, it worked out way worse for the Buckeyes, and I get that. But this is what this Penn State team looked like against Pitt, too. They were limited at the quarterback position. So I think Penn State's super talented. I think they're another one of these Big Ten teams that's definitely in the top ten. But I I, I think that they're going to fit the classic LSU mold that we've seen where they win nine or ten games, and it's entirely held back from going any further by a better team in their division either OSU or, or Alabama in the analogy, and they're held back by a quarterback. And I, I, that's what I think we, we learned our most out of that about Penn State is, you know, they're a darn good team, but they also have a ceiling. They're kind of like Wisconsin. We're not sure on the quarterback, except Wisconsin, I'm, I'm open to their quarterback being good. We haven't seen him forced to actually make a lot of plays yet. Uh, on Penn State's side, we've seen Clifford try and fail a lot to make plays. <laughs> it comes down to, you know a couple big plays by their defense to put them in position. Yeah, Clifford is an Ohio kid from Cincinnati and did not get a long look from Ohio State, so you can take that for what it's worth. We also needed to see some attrition among the playoff contenders, and we saw that. South Carolina beat Georgia 20-17, to and here's what I came out of that. If you watched it, both teams just were doing their best job to lose. About midway through the fourth quarter, I don't think it even mattered if Georgia won or lost. They're going to drop in the rankings behind Ohio State, if people are saying. Your thoughts on South Carolina-Georgia. South Carolina, obviously, overtime 2017. Well, I don't think South Carolina is a very good team. Let's start with that. They were 2-3 and three coming in. And this is this was the equivalent of Ohio State losing to, like, Maryland Indiana. or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, not, a, it's not like that. SEC some massive gauntlet, and every week you got to be ready to go because they can knock you off like they're going to claim. No, South Carolina's not a good football team. And you know what's even worse? They didn't do any of the things that teams who pull upsets that when they're a 20-plus point underdog usually do. Uh, they they missed field goals at the end of regulation and in overtime. <laughs> they, they, they got ill-timed penalties when they had the opportunity to defeat the Bulldogs on the field in regulation. They they like they made all kinds of dumb mistakes and still won the game because Georgia was trying even harder to lose it. And, you know, I, I read a stat last night after that game, and that stat was is that in his career when Jake Fromm has to attempt 30 or more passes, the Georgia team is 0-4. Think about that. In today's football, when your quarterback has to attempt 30 throws, 
you've never won. What does that say about Jake Fromm? Like, again, everybody's all excited about him and says he's NFL-like. What is he, like a Jim Sorge backup for life NFL type? Because he doesn't seem like he's a big playmaker or have many playmakers with the ball. You know, the reason I, I thought this Georgia team might have been the best of the SEC batch was purely because they looked like they were the only one that had a defense. And that did come out again yesterday in, in the way they played. But the truth is, man, you're a Georgia fan. You're sitting there crying into your terrapin ale, and you're thinking, man, did we make the wrong choice in getting rid of Justin Fields right now? Because I can tell you right now that South Carolina team against Ohio State would have given it 40-something. I guess the best way to look at this is is no longer will Georgia be tied with Ohio State in the polls. Uh, it's a guarantee they're going to free fall. And, you know, the the big thing now is, is to see what happens in the West because if Alabama or LSU loses a game that's not against each other and then the other, the other one of the two wins that game, you're going to be a guaranteed SEC group that has all of them at least one loss, uh, if not more. And that could affect playoff seeding in the in the playoff at this point. So, you know, the whole narrative of the SEC, Heather Dinich is going to put four teams in, is starting to collapse because, again, that's not a good league. There's there's about three or four teams that are worth a damn in that league, and that's about it. Yeah, on the uh, premium version of this podcast, I'm going to tell the story about the day I hired Heather Dinich, and she quit about three hours later, but I digress. Let's hit the last game here I want to discuss. Alabama beat Texas A&M. I think that was predictable. Florida State got whacked at Clemson. We're down 28 nothing at the half. I get that. Joey B, though, Joe Burrow and LSU beat Florida 42-28. to That's about what I would have expected to happen. Let's talk about that, and then we should probably hit the Red River uh, showdown, shootout, whatever politically correct state we're using now, Oklahoma over, over Texas. So your bit on LSU over Florida and Joey B, and then – Let's quickly touch on Oklahoma-Texas. Well, I want to throw in this. LSU and Alabama are the same football team this year. And you know what that football team is? They're the 2018 Buckeyes. Look at those teams. Uh, yesterday, Alabama's final score, you, you, you would expect them to roll A&M, right? But based on historical Alabama teams, when they were the death star of college football, that score would have been like 45-7, to right? It was 47-28. Just kind of like LSU the same way. Put up a ton of points, give up way more points than you would expect. Both of those teams are OSU last year. They have a first-round quarterback. They have a fleet of awesome receivers, and their passing game is covering up for some serious deficiencies at other positions and on the defensive side of the football. If you look at Alabama against A&M, for most of that game, they struggled to run the football, and then they had a couple big runs late that pushed their average up. But Alabama does not rank in the top 20 in running the ball like usual. They're in like the 60s nationally, and both them and LSU have given up a lot of points this year. Look, I like those quarterbacks, and I I think Alabama-LSU is going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be straight out of the Big 12 circa 2010, but let's not delude ourselves thinking Alabama and LSU are unbeatable. Their entire teams right now are being held up by the fact that they can get the ball to, you know, the playmakers in space, the the Jerry Judys and that guy, those groups, right? So... You know, Joe Burrow is is making a strong argument to be a top ten pick and quarterback in the NFL draft, and you know both he and two are going to be Heisman finalists. I think the winner of their head to head game has a strong argument uh, that the could be the media darling going into the Heisman finals. Uh, Just just, and you know they're they're always going to find a way on ESP, SEC, PN to uh, find a way to you know undermine the way OSU is playing. But I think the winner of that game looks strongly like they're going to be the Heisman choice out of the SEC. But I think both those teams, to be quite blunt, OSU would beat either team. 
quick point on LSU to back you up there. LSU known as a defensive juggernaut. Just to let you know the differences this year, Florida scored 21 points in the first half yesterday. They had not done that against Towson. They had not done that against University of Tennessee Martin. So LSU's defense is just not what it once was. Not at all. And same for Bama. 28 points to A&M, who may finally fall out of the rankings after you know losing to a bunch of other SEC teams, so they have an excuse to keep them ranked. Look, I watched that game. Kellen Mond's not good. And, and Aggie moved the ball up and down the field on them. So let, 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 let's not delude ourselves, folks. Look, Georgia can still win the SEC because they actually have a reasonable defense. Uh, but, you know, hey, it's just like LSU team last year. You can win a lot of games, but can you be the champ? I don't think so. Not, not the way LSU and Alabama are currently constructed. And, uh, you know, I think the real interesting thing is I still believe the second best team I've seen this year is Oklahoma. But, of course, I was just the gonna... caveat being I think Ohio State's the best. You know, look at Oklahoma yesterday. In that first half, it was 10-3 to 3 at halftime. But Oklahoma outgained Texas by 200-something yards. I'm sitting there thinking what a missed opportunity it's going to be for Oklahoma if they lose this game and not, you know, end up getting more points in the first half. But their defense played well. You know, Sam Mellinger is a tough guy. Uh, Texas can sit, continues to not use their tailbacks, so I hope that Bijan Robinson was watching. You can ask Bill about that. But, you know, at the end of the day, Oklahoma still looks like the second-best team in the country to me. I agree. If you ask me right now what I fear the most, it's Oklahoma's offense. I don't care what they did in the first half. And if we play Oklahoma, I don't want to play them in the playoff in the first game. I want it to be in the championship game because I don't want Lincoln Riley to have six weeks to get ready for us or whatever it is. All right, Bax, I appreciate it. Have a great Sunday, brother. Absolutely, Dan. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with the Dean, Bill Kerlick. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. The one and only Bill Kerlick joins us. Much like the Ohio State staff, it was a bye week, but Bill didn't take any time off. Bill, how goes it this fine Sunday? Going very well this morning. Um, bright, uh, sunny day. A little cool out here in, uh, in Columbus, but a uh, bright, sunny day. And uh, the bye week is now officially, I guess, behind us. And um, we can get back on to Ohio State football. And uh, as you're probably going to be very interested to see, I'll, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens in the polls today. Um, I was just watching an ESPN Power poll that had Ohio State – uh number one in the country with Alabama number two. Um I don't think that's gonna happen and I don't think you do either, but I'll be interested to see what happens with Georgia going down, LSU winning and Ohio State in the bye week. So we'll see I suppose. I think it's gonna be Ohio State tied with LSU at third. As I mentioned before, Bill, the staff certainly didn't take the week off from recruiting. What were they up to this weekend? I saw some pictures of Ryan Day in Cincinnati. Please bring people up to speed on the recruiting trail goings on on the bye week here. Well, they were they were out on the road. Uh, some of them, at least, they, it wasn't full scale. Um, you know, I think uh, they want to make sure, first and foremost, that they are 
ready uh, for a great second half of the season. And, um, you know, as an example, towards that end, uh, defense coordinator Jeff Halfley, he wasn't out on the road all week long, uh, but he certainly wasn't uh, taking the week off. He was uh, doing a lot of things, including, uh, you know, helping Ohio State get ready for that second half of the season. But uh, there certainly was recruiting going on as you referred to, um, Dan, and uh, a big item in my mind was that uh, Ohio State quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Mike Yursich, uh made a couple very important stops. And, you know, looking at Ohio State's quarterback situation moving forward, um, it's got a chance to be special. I mean, they've got equipment from Jack Miller, uh, one of the top pro-style quarterbacks in the country, um, they have a quarterback for the 2021 class committed in Kyle McCord, who had another nice game uh, this past weekend. Um, so that's fantastic moving forward. But depth is the issue, and uh, they have a chance to get another great quarterback to add to the class, that being C.J. Stroud, who in the uh, uh, rankings is the country's number two pro-style quarterback. So Yurcich uh, went out and stopped at his School at the beginning of this week, um, Stroud then officially announced the next day that he had a scholarship offer from the Buckeyes. He already had that offer, by the way. He just was not ready to announce it yet, but he did make that announcement um, the day after Yursich visited his school. And then Yursich also stopped to visit Jack Miller uh, and watch him in practice. Jack Miller has been out with injury, uh, had injured his shoulder, uh, missed uh, several games, but uh, he threw, uh, practiced and all, and, and Yursich, I am told, was very impressed. Uh, Jack Miller did set his official visit to Ohio State, which will be for a pretty big game, I think you'd say. He'll be making his official visit for the Wisconsin game, and uh, Miller returned to the field on Friday night and had a big game, led two scoring drives in the fourth quarter for a come-from-behind uh, Chaparral win, and you know, if Ohio State can land all three of those quarterbacks and have them in the class, that being Miller, Stroud, and McCord, my goodness gracious, what a, what an embarrassment of riches. Who else are they looking at, Bill, on the defensive line right now? If they're not going to get Tyler Barron, which I do actually think they will, but if they had to go to a second level for a defensive line, do you think there's anyone on the radar right now? I think they would just go to the next class. I don't think they'll go to a second level. I think uh, if they need to be content with three uh, that they have committed right now, I think they will. They'd certainly like to add Tyler Barron to that group and, and make it a foursome. If somebody uh, is a possibility that's a great player, sure, they're, they're going to go that direction. But I'm not convinced that that's going to happen, and, I, and they're not going to take someone just to take someone, especially when you look ahead to what they have going on with defensive linemen in the 2021 class. Stan, you're very familiar with Jack Sawyer, who is as good as it gets. He's committed to Ohio State, and uh, that's not going to change. He's going to be a Buckeye. But you look at other guys like Damon Payne, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, who I've crystal balled Ohio State. I, you know, I, I think Ohio State's got a great, great shot at landing him. And, you know, certainly he's a tremendous, tremendous prospect. Um, uh, and there are some others. Um, you know, Najee Story, the defensive end uh, from Solon, has Ohio State on top right now. And, um, 
you know, you always want to keep those in-state kids uh, flowing to your school, and he certainly is one that uh, you know, Larry Johnson has really looked, looked, been looking hard and offered a scholarship to two in-state 2021 defensive linemen, and Sawyer and uh, Najee Story are the two guys, so he's another one. And there are several other uh, top-flight defensive linemen for the class of 2021 that Ohio State has a very realistic shot at. So I don't think they're going to just go ahead and uh, take somebody uh, for the sake of taking one. Tomitsi Adelaide from Texas is another one, a defensive end that is a five-star prospect and tells me that Ohio State and Alabama are his co-leaders. So uh, they're looking at uh, potentially a tremendous haul on the defensive line for 2021. Speaking of that year, I get the sense that Ohio State, the current team as it's gone on, has gotten more and more content with its running back room and next season should they not even add a running back. At this point, I just hope they don't reach. I also think part of that is they have guys they want in 2021 that they're confident in that are pretty good prospects. Who do you think they're looking at running back-wise in 2021 that may ease people's nerves about 2020? Well, the the guy that they would really love to have, and the good news is they have a a, a realistic shot at getting him, is Laviasier Carroll from Bradenton IMG. Yeah, he's a tremendous running back. In fact, everybody's very familiar with Trey Sanders that uh, was at IMG last year, who was the country's number one running back. Um, uh, Carroll is being very favorably compared to Trey Sanders, and Trey Sanders was a guy that Ohio State really, really wanted. He was uh, uh, the top target, perhaps, uh, last year at running back. They did not end up getting him, but Carroll is being favorably compared to him, and, and Carroll is considering Ohio State. There's no doubt about it. Um, will Ohio State get him? That remains to be seen, but they have a legitimate chance. Donovan Edwards um, from Michigan is another guy that uh, uh, certainly is very interested in Ohio State. Uh, you've got Evan Pryor, uh, another outstanding running back. He was at Ohio State's camp this summer, and I watched him. Um, he did a really nice job. He's out of North Carolina. So, you know, those are three outstanding running backs. And, you know, Will Shipley's an interesting guy. Um, Shipley uh, is hoping to make it to the Wisconsin game, the high state Wisconsin game. If that's a game later in the day, uh, there's a good chance that Will Shipley will visit Ohio State on an unofficial visit, of course, um, that weekend. And he's being favorably compared to people in the South to a, a pretty good running back that uh, happens to be uh, in the NFL right now. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of McCaffrey, but uh, Will Shipley is a guy that I think it'd be a tough get for the Buckeyes, but he is certainly one that's interested. He's out of uh, um, North Carolina and certainly a name to keep in mind. Everybody just got smarter on recruiting thanks to the dean. Programming note, next week, Ohio State plays on Friday night. We will still have Bucknuts Almost Live on Sunday morning, people. Don't change your calendars. We appreciate Bax and Bill stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. 